We serve a wonderful Savior. Amen. And when you think about the name of Jesus and truly think about what he done for you, nobody should have to tell you to praise him. Amen. Praise. When we begin to praise God, our atmosphere began to change. So no matter what you're going through on today, if you just begin to wave your hands and begin to tell God, thank you, in spite of what you're going through. And when you begin to thank him, you know that he's already worked it out for you. Amen. Hallelujah. God is just such a good God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that God want to do something even in the midst of in the, in the midst of this place, but we have to be open for God to do what he need to do. Last Sunday, we talked about living up under an open heaven. And I'm telling you every day of your life, you can live up under open heaven because everything that you need, when you begin to call it forth, because you already have it on the inside of you. And when you begin to call it forth, you have to see what you're saying. And as you're seeing it, even though in the natural, it don't look right. You know, in the supernatural, you have everything that you need. I'm telling you, the word will quicken you. The word will change you. The word will transform you. The word will heal you. The word will deliver you. The word will set you free. If you allow the word to do what God has sent it to do. He said he has sent his word and he has already healed you. And he's already delivered you from your destruction. That means it's already done. So God said, quit trying to get something done that he's already done. Just receive what he's already done. That's walking by faith and not walking by sight. If you're waiting for something to happen, guess what? Keep waiting. Because if you believe in what has already taken place through Jesus, then you can live like you already have it. And believe it or not, it will appear right before you. Some people think that's strange, but for years, 20-some years, me and my husband have been walking by faith. God said, call those things that be not as though they were. And in walking by faith, your bank account <laughs> don't say what you're saying until you tell your bank account to say what you're saying. Amen. You got to speak to that mountain. And you got to tell that mountain where you want that mountain to go when it don't line up with what God is saying. Y'all, I'm telling you, it is real. It works. You have to try him and see. That's having a relationship, amen, with the Father. But I want to say this right now. God is healing back problems. Right in the midst of you right now, back problems are being healed. Spasms are being healed right now in Jesus' name. God said, receive your healing right now in the name of Jesus. We command pain to go right now in Jesus' name. Stiffness in your joints, you go right now in Jesus' name. God is sending a word, and the only thing you got to do is receive that word because healing is here right now. You don't have to wait on it. You just receive it in Jesus' name. God, we thank you and we praise you, God for what you have already done in this place. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in the midst of your people. And we thank you, God, that you're right here in the midst of us. So I know that whatever is needed right now, the here and now, God, you're available, God, to deliver.
because God, we speak those things that be not as though they were. So father, I thank you for our helper and our teacher, which is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place. Be our teacher, be our helper, be our strengthener. Lead us, guide us into all truth, reveal unto us. Bring the word back to my remembrance, Holy Spirit, that you want me to bring forth on today. And Father, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. So God, I give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Open your Bibles with me. To Mark, the eighth chapter, I believe that God has a word for the body of Christ. Mark chapter eight, and I will begin at verse 21, and I will end at verse 26. Mark chapter eight, beginning at verse, I'm sorry, verse 22. And let's hear what the word of the Lord is saying on today. And the word of God reads. And he cometh through Bethsaida, and they bring him a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes, and made him look up. And he was restored, and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell it to any in the town. You may be seated. I want to talk about coming out of Bethsaida. Coming out of Bethsaida. God want to bring you out of Bethsaida today. And some of us probably feel like we're not in Bethsaida. But I'm going to tell you about Bethsaida and what he's saying in this scripture. Bethsaida is a place of unbelief. And sometimes we can be in unbelief and don't even recognize that we are in unbelief. Unbelief means that we don't trust God. And we don't, when we don't trust God, we're being disobedient to God. So when you go into unbelief and don't trust God and don't know that he is faithful to his word, then you're going to go into disobedience because you're not trusting his word. So anybody that don't trust a person, they're not going to honor that person according to their word. So Jesus was talking to this blind man, but he was in a town of Bethsaida. And when you look in Matthew, the 11th chapter, it talks about when Jesus was in Bethsaida before that they would not believe none of his mighty works. Jesus done mighty works in Bethsaida, but they wouldn't believe. So Jesus said, you need to repent. You need to have a change of mind. You need to think differently because mighty works are being done in the midst of you. And you won't even believe those works that are coming through me. And he began to talk about that if the mighty works was done in um, Sodom and Gomorrah, the way it was done here in Bethsaida, he said they would repent it a long time ago in sackcloth and ashes. What was he saying? When God does a work, and you know God that's, that God is doing a work, you will begin to change. You will begin to think differently. You will begin to come to him because you know that work was not done through man. So Jesus was speaking to this man and letting him know, this is the place that you're in, but I want to bring you out of this place. So God is saying today, he want to bring you out of your unbelief. As long as you stay in unbelief, you cannot receive what God has already provided. 
all of us that are born again, that have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have everything you need, guess what, on the inside of you. That seems so unreal, doesn't it? Because the day that you accepted Jesus, you accepted him in your spirit. Everybody know this teaching, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is the real you. That's the part of you that you can't see. So everything you need is in your spirit. The power of God lies in your spirit. But the problem is we have a soul. Our soul consists of our mind, our will, and our emotion. And if that mind is not renewed according to who we are, now that we're in Christ, we cannot receive what we already have. That's just like if it was a million dollars up here, and I'm telling you it's a million dollars up here, but you're looking for that million dollars, and you're saying, I'm not coming up there because there's no million dollars up there. But I'm telling you, it is a million dollars up here, but you're looking at me like, that girl gone crazy. I don't see no money, and if I had to saw the money, I would have come closer to the front so I can have a chance of getting some of that money that's laying there in that floor. So this is just how faith works. When you take him at his word, you don't say, I have to see it before I believe it. God works in a supernatural realm. That means it's a place that you can only see when God opens your eyes and allow you to see what he will have for you to see. That's living up under an open heaven. But if you have unbelief in you, it will stop you from grabbing hold of what God has already said. I want to tell you this today, that God has already, y'all, given you what you need to live here on this earth. Because he know that without the help of the Holy Spirit, without the help of what you have on the inside of you, you could not make it down here on the earth. This is why the Bible lets us know that Jesus, he came in the flesh. The word had to become flesh to live here on this earth so we can see the kingdom through him. Jesus was bringing the kingdom, but they were looking for an earthly kingdom, and Jesus was showing them the kingdom that was coming through him based upon the situations that they were running into here on this earth. When Jesus walked the earth, Jesus was bringing heaven down here on earth. So when Jesus was doing all these mighty works in Bethsaida, they didn't want to believe these mighty works, even if it was out of the norm, they were not believing it. And God is saying today, is some of us sitting right here that do not believe in the mighty works that they have seen Jesus do even in your lives. How is this happening? Because I'll go back to um, Dalton Thomas. He walked with Jesus. He was one of the disciples. He saw Jesus do miracles. He saw Jesus turn water into wine. He saw Jesus heal the blind man. He saw all of this stuff. But when Jesus told him that he was going to die, but he was going to be risen on the third day, okay, he acted like he was understanding what Jesus was saying. But the moment they told Thomas that we saw Jesus, Thomas say, unless I see the nail prints in his hands, unless I see where he was pierced in his side, he said, I will not believe. Now, Jesus came right back in the place, and he began to talk to Thomas. He said, touch. Look at the nail prints in my hands. Look at how they pierced me in the side. And Thomas began to say then, oh, master. He began to believe him because he saw. But Jesus said, blessed 
the man that have not seen, but yet still believe. See, we get happy when we see something because then we believe it. But God say, when I give you my word and you believe it without seeing it, that's when you're walking in faith. See, we're waiting for something to manifest first before we say, yes, God. But when God gives you a word out of the word of God, you should say, yes, God, I believe what you're saying. Because God has a timing and manifesting himself. It may not be Monday. It may not be Tuesday. It may not be that week. But God has a timing to see if you're going to wait on him, to see if you're going to trust him, to see if you're going to take him at his word. So this is what was happening in that town. They saw all of this mighty work, but they would not change. They would not have um, different thinking. Their ways of doing was still the same. When God come in and do a work, even amongst you, there should be a different way of thinking. There should be a different way of doing because you knew you could not have done that. That had to be the spirit of the living God. God want us to come out of Bethsaida and he want us to step into what he's already given us. And when you come out of Bethsaida, you don't go back to that place. Some of us come out for a moment, but we end up stepping right back in that place because we've been waiting so long for so many different things. That's why the Bible said those that wait upon the Lord, he shall renew your strength. Then you're going to do what? Mount up with wings as an eagle. You're going to run and not get weary. You're going to walk and not faint. I'm telling you, in your waiting, you should be rejoicing. Why should you be rejoicing? You should rejoice just like you already have what he said. If you're still complaining and you're worrying about where am I going to get this from, then you're in unbelief. You're not trusting God. Because if God did it before, what makes you think he's not going to do it again? Because he is the same God. This is why you have to stay in relationship with God to know what God is saying, y'all, for the here and for the now. I'm going to tell you something. When you spend time with God, and I have to talk about money, because money be acting funny, because you can have $100 on Monday, and that $100 is running out the door the same day, and you're wondering, where did that $100 bill go, right? And you knowing, well, that's all I had for the whole week, and this is only Monday. Have you ever been there? Some people say, yeah, you should have a fat savings. But how many know that savings get depleted sometimes? It don't stay fat. But guess what? You have a savings that's in heaven that never run out. So whatever situation comes, this is what God does. He touches someone's heart that has the money that you need and he turns their heart towards you and he said give this money to sister Linda Bannerman and you don't understand why God wants you to give it to her because she looked like she doing okay she dressing okay she driving a car that look okay she living in a house that's okay God said I ain't told you to look at what she got I told you to give her the money See, we try to look at what people have before we do what God tells us to do. That's walking in unbelief. 
You don't look at what a person have. You be obedient to what God is telling you. Because you don't know what God want to do in her life. He want to bring her out of Bethsaida because it was a time in her life where she didn't know God like she needed to. But then it become a time in her life when she had a need, didn't know how she was going to get that need supplied. The bank wouldn't give it to her. Family wouldn't give it to her. But God sent someone that she didn't know knocking on her door, telling them where she stayed and said, God told me to give you this and then leave. And then she's all in her house praising God, giving God glory, say, God, what must I do? That's how God works. See, if, if, if things have to work for you and it's easy, I'm going to be honest for you, with you. God in that. Because God wants you to know that he takes the impossible, what man can't do, and that's when he make it possible. If he took the possible, the stuff that was possible, they wouldn't believe it was God. So God got to take the impossible, and he got to make it possible. So man can know, now I know that's God, because I know that you could not do that even yourself. God is just such an awesome God. So dealing with this unbelief, like I said, is lack of faith in God. We're not trusting God. We're not believing who he is. And the reason why we're not, because we're not spending time with God. The more time you spend with God, God will tell you what to do, and he'll tell you how to do it. Sometimes God will lead you to the person he wants you to go to for the need that you're in need of. And when he leads you to that person, guess what? He's already prepared the person. He's already told the person what you in the need of even before you ask. I remember when me and my husband, we were starting out and um, we just got married. We was renting a home. And as we was renting a home, I was sitting there. It was around Christmas. And, and it was like I heard the spirit say, what do you want for Christmas? And I'm like, nothing. I don't want anything. I heard the spirit say a home. I'm like, a home? I can't afford no home. I don't make enough. He don't make enough. We're doing good right where we are. Sometimes we think that we have to stay in a place. But God know where we need to be and the timing we need to be. Sometimes we get comfortable where we are. And God said, I want to bring you out of where you are so people know that I'm God. So people recognize that I am God and, and that's the God that you serve. So I called my husband and I told him, I said, I'm going to tell you what I want for Christmas. He said, what you want? I said, I want a home. He said, how you getting? <laughs> I said, what's wrong with this man? I'm telling you I want a home. So, you know, my husband, what he do? He'll scratch his head when he in disbelief. So we had to go look for a home, didn't know nothing about how to apply for a home, no, knew nothing. So the Lord was leading me. He was ordering my steps, y'all. So I'm out looking for homes, didn't know the process, found me a home. I said, I want that home right there. Didn't look at no price, didn't look at nothing, just trusting God. Got the realtor, sitting down with the realtor. She said, well, you got to give some earnest money to hold this home. Didn't know what no earnest money was. Y'all, I was just downright ignorant, but I'm following the lead of the Holy Spirit. My husband, bless his heart, he right there beside me. He looking at me, his eyes so bucked, y'all, because he know we didn't have no money in no bank to be sitting there in front of that realtor. So she said, um, how much earnest money are you going to put down? I'm sitting there thinking myself. See, you got to move flesh out the way. You know, then pride going to come up and say, this woman going to think that we can't afford it. And in reality, 
We couldn't. So I had to look good. So I'm hearing a voice say, put 5,000 down. I said, I know they ain't God. I ain't going that far. So I just wrote me a little check for $1,000. And I say, I want to ask you a question. What you going to do with that check? <laughs> she said, we're going to hold it. And we're going to um, hold it and let the, let the seller know that, you know, you really want to buy the home. Okay, long story short, y'all. This is why you have to keep seeking God. Because when you don't keep seeking God, you can miss what God wants you to have. And, and the enemy wants you to miss it because he don't want you to believe God. He wants you to stay in disbelief. So the whole time I, I kept seeking God and trusting God. And I knew this lady and I told her, I said, can you come touch and agree with me? And I want to show you the home and I want to make sure this is where God wants us to be. So I showed her the home. We pulled up in the driveway. And as we were sitting there praying, looked up in the review mirror, there go police behind us. So the police looking at us all funny and everything. So the lady that was praying, she looked at me. I looked at her. She said, this ain't where God wants you to be. I was at peace. I said, okay, God, you're going to have to show me then where you will have me to be. I remember, y'all, I was sitting at home. And as I was sitting home, I had the flu that year. And my son was two years old. And I was looking in a newspaper. And my son looked down. The paper was in black and white. He said, our house, our house. I said, boy, go sit down somewhere. <laughs> so I paid it no attention. Then I get a call from the realtor. She said, I want to show you a house. I believe you'll be interested in this house. I said, okay. So she began to tell me where the house was. I told my husband, go with her, video the house. So we'll know about the house. So he went and videoed the house. But before he videoed the house, I believe we drove by that house. My son in the back seat again, our house our house. I'm like, this boy done gone crazy. He know we ain't going to stay in this house. But finally I gave in. He videoed the house. He showed me the video. I looked at him. I say, our house, our house. <laughs> I'm telling y'all, this is how God works. This is walking by faith. The next thing was with this house was putting in for this house. Now I told my husband as I'm telling y'all before, see, I had to come out of a place to walk in the place that God wanted me to be in. Even though it didn't look like it was going to happen, God was telling me to trust him. Even though the finances didn't look right, God told me to trust him. I began to pack up the house that we were in, believe in God. And I remember my cousin, which is Shirley's son, come over to the house. And I said, Lord, please don't let him go in that room. He's going to think I'm crazy. God said, pack up everything that you're not using. I followed his instructions. My cousin went in that room. He said, girl, what you doing up in here? Oh, I got bold in the Holy Ghost. I said, I'm moving. I'm not going to be in this same place. So I went outside and I was sitting on the step. He come up to me and my granddaddy was a man of faith, y'all. And he would give handkerchiefs out just like the word says, how Paul took those handkerchiefs. He prayed over those handkerchiefs and gave them to people. My cousin sat beside me and he handed me a handkerchief that granddaddy had given him. And I, as I put it in my hand, the Holy Spirit said, that's not for you. That's for him. You got to believe God for yourself. So I told him, I said, uh-uh, I can't take that. That's what granddaddy gave you. That's your point of contact. I have to trust God for myself. So the next thing, we had to fill out the application, the credit application. And I told y'all last Sunday about living up under open heaven, my husband could never get credit. I was the one getting all the credit. And remember what I told y'all how he just 
threw me under the bus right in front of the man. How can she get it? I'd make more than she do. Da-da-da-da-da. Why can't I get it? Just threw me under the bus. It was okay. Throw me under the bus, man. So after all of that, God told me to tell my husband, before going to apply for the house, he told me to tell him, this house is going to be in your name. You're going to be the one that gets that get this house. He looked at me. He said, how am I going to get a house? And they won't give me credit. I said, I'm telling you what God told me to tell you. We filled out the application. The lady called me, long story short. She told me, Miss Bryant, I got some good news and I got some bad news. I said, okay, what's going on? She said, first thing is, your name can't go on the house because you got some medical bills. Now, check this. I couldn't pay them right then. So I said, you know what? She said, but it's going to be in your husband's name. I said, well, what belongs to him belongs to me. You go ahead and do what you got to do. She said, but this is how much money we need. Here come money again, y'all. We didn't have that money. But let me tell you what I did. I went in my bedroom and I looked up to open heaven. Prayer will change things. When your dependency is on God and not on your pocketbook, because I knew the pocketbook didn't have it, the penny bank didn't have it, and surely the bank didn't have it. I looked up and I said, God, only you can do this thing. You told me this house was ours. I'm standing on your word. I don't have the money, but God, I know you do. So God, I'm thanking you in advance for what I have. How many know when you call around to family, when it's money, nobody ain't got it? Say it so. Amen. But God has a way of working it out. He wanted us to know, I don't want you to depend on your family. I want you to depend on me. So my husband called his brother. He said, no, I don't have it. And I know my wife don't have it. How about that evening, his wife, his brother's wife called back and said, y'all going to think this is deja vu. She said, I had a dream that I was giving someone this amount of money. And she said, God told me to give you that money. Let me tell y'all something. When you trust God, Outside of what you don't have, God knows your heart and God will open the heaven and he will rain down and how he does it. He has to use people. So I want y'all to get over this thing of praying and God rain down money right at my door from heaven. God, I'm going to stand here and wait on that. God going to send somebody to give you the money and quit saying shut down these computers and erase all my debt. Lord, just erase all my debt. I know you can do it, Lord. That's what we do. But when we trust God with what we don't have, and we put it in God's hands, he said, when you commit your way unto me, trust, you can commit your way. But God said, when you don't trust in me, then it's not going to come to pass. He said, you got to commit your way. That means you got to roll everything over to him and say, God, I'm trusting you with my healing. I'm trusting you with my debt. God, I'm trusting you with my children. I'm trusting you with my business. I'm trusting you with Miracle Temple because I can't do it. And then guess what? It shall come to pass. Whatever you trust in God with and you live in according to his word, y'all, it shall come to pass you have to believe God outside of your circumstances I don't care how nasty it look I don't care how much people are talking about you I don't care if they're calling you crazy you have to look at them and say well if you calling me crazy you calling God crazy because I know what God said and I'm not moving off of what God said it is time for us to know without a doubt that this is what God is saying unto us today 
And when we know this, when we know that we know that we know, your mind is not going to be changed outside of what you see. Are you going to go through some stuff that's going to try to make you waver? Yes, Lord. Because it's things that come in your life that look like, God, I know what you said, but when you put your butt in it, then you're leaving God out of it. You got to get your butt out of it and say, God, I'm leaving me out of this picture. Just like Abraham, this man waited 25 years to have a son. This was God's doing because God waited until Sarah could not have children. He waited until, um, you know, Abraham couldn't do nothing. But they still came together having faith in God. And that's why Abraham said, I was fully persuaded at that what God said that God was going to also perform. He did not. He knew that Sarah was um, barren. He knew that he was too old to produce a child. But what did he do? He said he was having faith in God, not in them. And Isaac appeared. But guess what God will do? Even after he give you your promise, God will say, I'm going to still see if you're going to trust me with what you have. How many of us, God has given us what he want us to have. And then God will test us with what he has given us to say, I'm going to see if you're going to love your husband, your wife, your children, your house. I'm going to see if you're going to love your job more than me. I'm going to see if you're willing to give all this up for me. God will test you to see where you are. So Abraham, when God said, I want you to give me your very son, come on y'all, that's a hard place. Because when you have children and you've been waiting on them for years and finally you get that child and God say, turn it back over to me. When you do that, trust in God. Abraham said, God, I trust you so much. If you kill him, you got to raise him back to life because all of your promises in him is yes and in him is amen. You are God and not man that you should lie. Neither the son of God that you shall repent. Have you not said it? Shall you not do it? Have you not spoken it to me? And shall you not bring it to pass? So God, I'm going to give you my son because I know the same son that went to this mountain with me is going to come back with me. And that's what happened because Abraham believed God. And you know what Abraham had to do? He had to let go of Abraham first and say, God, I trust you. Have you ever been so in love with someone or something that you didn't see nothing but that someone or something? No matter what they say, you believed it, right? And you couldn't let that go. Well, I'm going to tell you, I was so, so in love, still in love with this man, but God come first. That every move this man made, I was right there with that man. But the day I met my lover, a one that would never disappoint me, I forgot about that man. God was testing me. See, God will take the very thing that you say you love so much and see if you're going to give that up for him. And the day that I really fell in love with Jesus and spent time in my word and he would go to these races because he loved to see the races and stuff. I'll be right there with him. And in his heart, he wanted to leave me home, but he couldn't. So I would, I would just go with him and every way he went, I was there. And he just got so tired of me going, but I went, y'all. But the day I fell in love with Jesus, when he got ready to leave out the door, I said, bye. I needed me some Jesus. 
I knew where I was. I knew what I was going through, and I knew he couldn't give me what God could. But I'll never forget when God knew that my heart was for him and that I had left my husband out of the equation. God said, look, get your priorities in order. He says, me first, your husband, then your children, then the church. He said, always keep that in order. See, some people, they put other things before they put God. I'm telling you today, you cannot put nothing first. The Bible says, seek before God. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, his way of doing, his righteousness. And guess what, y'all? This is a promise. Y'all ready for the promise? When you seek the kingdom first, his way of doing, then all of these things will be added unto you. Let me tell y'all something. By me seeking the kingdom and his way of doing things, I'm telling you, my needs are met. Because God has entrusted me with his kingdom and God looks to see, I'm going to see what you're going to do with what I have entrusted you with. And I can hear the God, God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You don't have to wait until you get to heaven to hear well done. You can hear well done here on earth when you're following his way of doing things. So God was teaching me his way of doing things, but I had to apologize to this man. But this man saw that God was first and foremost in my life. And by him seeing my lifestyle, y'all know the history. This man, I will always say, you need Jesus. You need to get saved. I get saved when I want to get saved, man. Okay. So I will leave him alone. God told, said, leave him alone. I left him alone, y'all. And the day my husband asked me, for the plan of salvation, I couldn't remember nothing. I'm like, help me, Holy Ghost. I need to lead this man to Jesus. <laughs> but he got saved. And how he accepted Jesus because he saw my lifestyle. He saw how I put Jesus first. He saw how the Lord was operating through me. And he knew this ain't my wife. This is not the same woman I married because she's trusting God more than she's trusting in what's happening even before her. And I'm telling y'all, were there times in my life that I was distrusting God? Yes, it was. But God took me to a place that I say, God, if you can't do this, nobody can. So God, I have to trust you. With what I have, I'm trusting you, God. And God let me know. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He said, I will be with you even until the end. That's trusting God, y'all. You don't trust somebody and pull back on them. If I say I trust my husband, guess what? Sometimes we say we trust them, but we trust them to a certain extent. Y'all know what I mean. Because sometimes you can have a, a man or woman to come through for you, but it's times that sometimes they don't come through. And it's not because they don't want to come through, but this is life. It happens in life. This is why you have to be on one accord. So if he promised me something, don't promise it to me outside of what the word says. Because you're not going to be able to fulfill it in your own strength. But if God is telling you to tell me this is what you're going to do, hallelujah, I accept it even when I don't see it. Because I know that God is speaking through you. But don't make no promises you cannot keep. So trusting God. It's coming out of Bethsaida. It's coming out of unbelief. God began to show me, y'all, it was a man in the Bible, and it's in the same um, 
um, book. It's in Mark, the ninth chapter. Y'all remember the man that had a son. And this son was, um, it was a demon in this son. And he was walling all over the ground. He was showing manifestation of things. And he brought the son to the disciples. The disciples could not heal the son. Now, I want you to check this. God gave the disciples power to heal, to deliver, to cast out demons. He gave them what they needed to use it for his glory. But when they saw the man's son, come on, let's just be honest. Y'all know the truth. Pick on Brother Willie. Somebody come in here cutting the fool, talking all crazy. Brother Willie going to say, raise that hand and say, Pastor, I'll be back in a minute. Because we go into what? Unbelief. How can we say we're following God when something come up, we pull back from whom we say we're following? This is what these disciples did. So guess what Jesus told them in this scripture? He answered him and said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. Y'all know what happened when Jesus bought, when they bought the son unto Jesus, he was what? Delivered, right? He was delivered. But one thing that this father said, and I'm going to tell you what happens. This father began to say, I believe you, but help mine unbelief. Now, guess what? What was he saying? He believed God because he brought the son to the disciples. Now, I want y'all to check this. The son came to the disciples. The father bought him. But when the disciples could not deliver the son, unbelief came. And that's why he said, I believe, but help mine unbelief. And this is what we need to tell God. God, I believe your word, but unbelief is blocking me from receiving what your word says. Those disciples asked Jesus, why could we not cure him? Jesus began to tell them that these things come out only by prayer and fasting. Guess what he was saying? The unbelief comes out only by prayer and fasting. They had the power to do it, but we have to go into prayer. We have to fast. That means fast, meaning you letting go of food. You letting go of things that will stop you from hearing what God wants. If you got unbelief in your life and your heart is right towards God and you begin to fast and say, God, I believe your word, but this unbelief is blocking me from receiving your word. God is seeing your heart because you're willing to give up something to get rid of what's hindering you from receiving from God. And that's what Jesus was saying. We have to go into prayer and fasting to get rid of unbelief. Y'all, unbelief is what's stopping us from getting what God has provided. If I ask all you guys, do you believe God? You would say yes. But when something pop up in your house, you come into unbelief. You become fearful. You become paralyzed and say, God, I know what your word says, but we need to say help my unbelief we go back to hebrews the third chapter in the fourth chapter when the israelites were in bondage the bible said in the third chapter read right at the end that they could not go to the place of rest or to the promised land because of their unbelief what was happening jesus gave them water from a rock 
They had bread from heaven. And even though they saw all the miracles that were done, they still disbelieved God and it stopped them from entering into the rest of God. Your unbelief will stop you from entering into the rest of God. God wants us to be in such a place of rest that no matter what happens around us, we take his word for what it is and we can be at rest. We can be at peace. That's why the Bible says that when God finished all of his work, when he finished all of his creation, the Bible says he rested on the seventh day. Now, people look at that as saying, you got to keep the seventh day, the Sabbath day. You got to keep it holy. Let me tell y'all something. We can't go on rituals. God set that up for them because God was letting them know how they could, needed a day to worship him and everything else was done. But when God finished creation, he rested. It was nothing else to do. He took that day and he rested. So God want us to rest in him. He want us to rest in his promises. So whatever God has said to you, if you believe what he's saying, you shouldn't be in turmoil. You should be in peace. You should be taking God at his word. This is why I'm going back to Mark, the eighth chapter, and we're going to wrap it up. Y'all, that was only the verse 20. One, 22. Now he took the man out of the town. What did Jesus have to do? He had to lead him out of that town of what? Unbelief. Because guess what? Jesus had the power. Jesus knew the father. He said, I only do what I see the father do. That's proof in the Bible in John, the fifth chapter. And then when you go to John, the 11th chapter, when he was raising who? Lazarus from the dead. Jesus told his father, he said, father, he said, I want you to show them through what I'm saying. He said, because I already believe you, but I want you to show them so they will believe you. It's not that I don't believe you. So Jesus already knew what the father would do, but Jesus knew he had to get unbelief out of this man in order for this man to receive what God has already done for this man. So that's why he led him out of Bethsaida. He had to take him from the place that was hindering him from receiving what God has already done. God said he got to pull you out today because you have unbelief in you and it's stopping you from receiving what I have already done. This is why when Jesus pulled him out and asked him, what do you see? This man say, I see men as what? Trees. But guess what? Jesus say, he ain't got it yet. So Jesus had to keep working with this man to get the unbelief out of this man so he could see the power of God manifest in his life. God said, there are places that you're in. There's people that you're around that you should not be around that's stopping you from standing on what God is saying. Go back to Jairus' daughter. When Jairus' daughter, he went to Jesus and telling Jesus, you know, can you come to my house and heal my daughter? Jesus was on the way. The woman with the issue of blood, she stepped in the midst of that. She was healed. And then in the process of that, they're going to bring him an evil report to say, don't bother the master any further. Your daughter is dead. But what Jesus said, Jesus said, don't fear. When Jesus heard the saying, he said, only believe and your daughter will be healed. So this Jesus corresponded to the death report. How many of us 
are living up under an open heaven, when you get a bad report like that, but you hear the Spirit of God say, fear not, only believe. They shall live today. They shall not die. They shall declare the works of the Lord. So Jesus corresponded and spoke to Jairus to let him know your daughter shall be made whole. When he got to the house, people were crying over the daughter. Is that not what we do? Because we're showing our remorse. But guess what Jesus did? Jesus had to put the ones out of the house that did not believe his report. God said, you got to put people, I'm talking about saved folk. You got some saved folk that say they believe God and standing right beside you, in, in, beside you. And in their mind, they say they gone. They just as dead as a doorknob. You might as well let them go. And then they're saying, Jesus is a healer. Jesus is a healer. We're here to raise the dead. But in their mind, they said, we might as well go ahead and leave. Jesus knew the thoughts, even of the ones that weren't saying anything. So he went in and bought the ones that believed God and he shut the door on the rest. And the girl was risen from the dead. People looking at this as being strange. But when you hear the voice of the Lord, he's going to tell you who to dismiss from around you that's not believe in the report of the Lord. You got too many Christians that say they know Jesus but speak in different things. They're waiting on man, a man to fix it when he is the man. And when you go to him and say, God, what would you have for me to do? Holy Spirit, I need assistance with this. Holy Spirit, I don't have the money holy spirit this is what's going on in the body of this person you're the healer just tell me what to do and i will do it the holy spirit will speak a word from heaven and he'll let you know what to do but in the midst of that you got to separate yourself from the turmoil that's around you our problem is we want to keep friends so we want to still do what those friends are doing and we want to leave god out of the picture Y'all, there were times in my life when I was going through, and not that my husband don't love me, but if I'm in a place that he's not in, I got to stay in my place with God and not even share with him where I am. I have to hold on to what I believe because if he hadn't gotten there yet, then guess what? I can't share nothing with him. It might be a place he's in that maybe I haven't gotten there yet, and he don't say nothing to me, but guess what? As we grow in grace... We can begin to come together and be on one accord and we can be speaking the same thing, believing the same thing, and manifestation come. And that's why the Bible says, be ye separated. Meaning that you are in the world, but you're not of the world. You don't do what the world does. And if you're hanging around the world doing what they're doing, you're going to start believing what they're believing. And you're not going to get the manifestation that God wants to manifest through you so the world will know he's in the midst of us. So you got to come out of Bethsaida. Some of you say, I'm not in Bethsaida, but I believe God is bringing this message because you are. One minute you said, I'm believing God, but you got a plan B. When you believe God, you believe God. There's no other plan. There's no other way of working it out. This is what God said. And sometimes you got to get bold with what God is telling you. Because if you got a loved one that's going through, and this is why I say, when you got somebody that's going through, I don't care if a person know the word from the back to the front, from the front to the back. If they ain't living the word, you ain't coming through that hospital door. 
I don't care what you say. It's going to be a note on the door because God is only going to let those in that know him. Seem like everybody know him when somebody at death door, but the night before you didn't know him. You better know who you're entertaining and who you're around because everybody that says, yes, Lord, is not about his business. This is why this is the last thing that Jesus told him. I'm going to see if y'all grabbed it in chapter eight, verse 26. He sent him away to his house. Get it, y'all. He sent him away to who house? Saying, neither go into the town nor tell it to any in the town. Uh Uh-oh. We got some big mouth saints. He said, I want you to go to your house. Your house. I don't want you to go into town nor tell anybody in the town. What do we do? We call everybody we can call and tell them what's going on like they can fix it. He said, go to your house. That's what he told the lady when she didn't have enough money. Remember, um, her sons, they were going to sell her sons for debt. She went to the word. The prophet was the word. And she said, you know what? She said, they're getting ready to take my son for debt. And she's coming to him. And he said, what do you have in your house? Did he say anybody else's house? So I want to ask you today, what's in your house? Is the word in you? If you have the word on the inside of you, you are the temple of God. Whatever is on the inside of you is what's going to flow out of you. This is why he said, go to your neighbor. When he said borrow, that word borrow means ask. So you got to look it up in Hebrew. People thinking, oh, he's telling me to go borrow some vessels. That's why you all over the place trying to borrow money and can't pay nobody back. That means ask. Just go ahead and ask them for the money because you know you ain't giving it back. So he said, I want you to go and ask for those vessels. Now check this out. When you go ask for these vessels, the only thing she had in her house was some oil. Y'all, the oil represent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was right there on the scene. He said, I want you to borrow those vessels, ask for those vessels. But this is the key. Go back to your house and shut the door upon you and your sons. And when you shut the door, I want you to begin to pour out that all into those vessels. She poured and she poured and she asked for more vessels. The vessels ran out. But then when she paid attention to the word of God, she had enough to live off of and she had enough to pay her debt. What am I saying to you? You have to go into your house. You got to begin to seek God for yourself. You can't worry about what nobody else's house is doing. You got to begin to hear God for yourself and say, God, what do you want me to do with this situation? He said, go to your house. I don't want you to go back into Bethsaida. I don't even want you to go talk to anybody that's in Bethsaida. I want you to stay in your house so you can still stand on what I said to you. You're coming out of your house. You're going into other territory. You're mixing the world with God. God said, you can't serve two masters. We're trying to serve God and man, and you can't do it. God is not going to share his glory with no one. 
You're going to have to make a decision today whom you're going to serve. If God has said it, you're going to have to stand on what God is saying in spite of what you see and in spite of how you feel. And you got to begin to rejoice and say, God, I thank you for what you already done, not what you're going to do. But God, I thank you that it's already done because you're God and you change not. You said heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word will remain. You said your word will not come back to you void, but it will go out and accomplish that which you please and prosper in the thing that you have sent it to do your covenant will you not break nor alter the things that have come out of your lips God and God I thank you father God that your word will do what you have sent it to do because you made all grace abound towards us that we have all sufficiency in all things that we may abound to every good work your word is at work God in me and through me so I thank you that I am the healed of the Lord that I am already prosperous that I am delivered God I thank you that I have everything that I need because you said you give me this day my daily bread so I have my daily bread on this day because you have loaded me with all of your benefits and God being that I have my family have because whomever attached to me God they have what you have I'm telling you you better attach to people that know God not to the ones that say that they know God but to the ones that truly have a relationship with God you got some people that say one thing and mean another You got some people who can talk a talk, but they ain't living what they're talking. You got to be in a place with God when it don't look right. You know it's all right. God is such a good God. He said, come out of Bethesda. Come out of Bethesda. Know that God, if God said it, God has already done it. Come out of unbelief. Quit running your mouth when you don't even know what God said. Because when God said it, he's already did it. And you can walk away from it. Just like when Jesus spoke to the fig tree. That man was hungry, y'all. He hadn't had anything to eat. And he saw the fig tree from afar. And it had beautiful green leaves. And Jesus was saying, I can go get me some figs off that tree. The tree was talking to him saying, come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, get some of these figs. Jesus, get to that tree, wasn't a fig found. Jesus said, I'm going to fix you. He said, nobody from this day forward will be able to eat from you. I curse you at the root. Why did Jesus do it? Jesus created that fig tree. And that fig tree wasn't um, performing the way he created it to perform. So he cursed it at the root. Guess what, y'all? The disciples looking at the tree and they probably said, that's a crazy man. That tree ain't gone nowhere. The leaves still green on that tree. But Jesus left the tree. Went about his father's business because he knew his words have power. When they come back past the tree, they say, Master, the tree. Y'all know about the little midget when he looked at his, his um, the blank, the blank, the blank. <laughs> so little tattoo. That's what was happening with the tree. But Jesus knew that the tree was already cursed the moment he did it. He didn't have no unbelief in him. He trusted God. He took God at his word. The cure to everything, y'all, is taking God at his word. When you don't take God at his word, that's a sin of unbelief. That's sin. 
So people thinking that they're not sinning, when you don't take him at his word, you're in sin because you're not believing God. So it's time to come out of Bethsaida. It's time to come out of that place of unbelief and believe God for who he is. Trust in him with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he shall, he will direct your paths. Amen? God is directing your paths even right now. But you need to get with him and say, God, what are you saying to me on today? Y'all, I'm telling you, I feel so down and out when I miss a day with God. I have to have something where I can hear his word, where I can hear what he's saying to me right now, this moment, because I know his word quickens me. His word brings life to me. And I'll shut down completely and say, God, I need to hear from you. I haven't heard from you today. God, what are you saying to me? God, what do you want me to do? How you want me to do it? God will show you things, y'all. I'm going to give you this testimony. I'm going to close. I had saw something that I wanted to purchase, and I was sharing it with Apostle. And I went to look at it, and as I went to look at it, um, I was asking the gentleman questions about it, and he said, yeah, yeah, that's what I'll take for it. But I got a, a unction in my spirit. Mm-mm, something ain't right. So the Lord told me to go back and look um, up the thing that I was purchasing again. And I said, okay, looked it back up. He was selling it at a lower price and was going to give it to me for the higher price. Don't you mess with God, man. I happily, let me say it again, happily called the dude. I said, look, I said, I'm seeing something for a different price than what you told me. Well, I, I, let me get back with you. I said, sure. He got back with me and said, I'll give you that for that. I said, thank you very much. You know how that happened? God ain't going to let nobody get over on you. God, see, when you get these nudges in you, don't think that's just you. When you get a feeling that ain't right, don't think that's Follow the leading of the spirit. What if I had said, oh, well, uh uh-uh. That's God's money I got in my hands. I'm not wasting his money, so I want to hear what you have to say. And one thing we have to learn to do is when we do it God's way, it's going to always work out. So we have to learn to trust God more than we trust in ourselves, y'all. And God would always do what need to be done. Y'all, I got two blessings in one day coming from God. God took the little that we had and got two things versus one. Why? Because I'm hearing the spirit of God. So when you hear God and know what God is saying and you're doing what God is saying, he said, hear, but I want you to do what you're hearing. That's, that's what faith is. You being obedient to him and you're not walking in unbelief. God is a loving father and he has not and he will not forget about his sons and daughters. And you are his sons and you are his daughters and he loves you so much. He only wants the very best for you. So come out of Bethsaida. Come out of that place of unbelief. And the way you do it is through the word of God. Spending that time believing what the word says, and doing what the word says. Amen? Amen. This daughter right here in this brown, she looking that way. Oh, you knew. Come on up, baby. She already knew. 